You're listening to the following program on TFN Audio from the Fantasy Network, where independent creators and fans of fantasy, sci-fi, horror, and gaming meet to create, stream, and support the shows that they love. Creator-distributed, fan-supported, that's TFN. Find this and many more great programs at watch.thefantasy.network slash audio. Five. Jim parked the car in the small rest area on the side of the road and pulled the brake. Okay, this is as far as we all go together. Rhea, you and Mercedes take the car. The rest of us will find our own way in. It had taken more than two days to get Inspector Charles to provide enough goodwill that the chalice had been released into the protective care of the Tempest team. Jim personally vouched for it although both the museum and he knew that there was no amount of money he could raise that would be enough to cover the loss of the chalice. Rhea had stayed in the Tempest House guest room, trying to keep as low a profile as possible. She didn't know if the hotel room she rented was under spiritual surveillance, and Jim found it best not to inquire into the spirit world to find out. Word could get around quickly, even amongst the dead, Instead, Rhea spent the time reading and occasionally chatting with Mercedes in the kitchen. She and Jim spent most of the second evening detailing out what she knew about the place where Rhea's client held court. It was a large farmhouse with a surrounding system of fields north of the city. A quick internet search had told them that the house and grounds belonged to Vita Eterna, a religious group that had been located in the Bay Area since the mid-80s. Jim had sniffed. Vita Eterna, eternal life. They're not exactly subtle. Lots of religious groups focus on eternal life. In fact, I'd say most of them do. These guys just take the practical approach. The chalice had been safely secured in a box, while the exhibit at the museum was closed due to unforeseen circumstances. Jim hoped he could have the chalice back by tomorrow. It had been decided that Mercedes would make the best undercover agent to follow Rhea inside. She wasn't the most physically fit of the two, but Feline would be able to sneak inside in her cat form a lot easier. Mercedes going in with Rhea had the added advantage that if the spirit had any way of detecting a supernatural being, she wouldn't register. Jim had the confidence that he, Andrew, and Feline would be able to make their way onto Vita Eterna's land, without being seen by the people living there. The spirits, of course, were a different matter. Jim had not mentioned this issue to the others, but it stuck in his own mind. There was no way of shielding them from the spirits, but normally this wouldn't be a problem. Spirits only communicated with a select few, and usually only volunteered information to the physical world when summoned. Since, however... The client wanting the chalice was a spirit himself. They had no way of knowing the kind of information other spirits would relay to him. As he sat in the car, Jim took a look out over the field stretching up to the farm. He was surprised that there were actually no spirits in sight. Even outside the major city areas, there was usually some sort of spirit traffic, but this place seemed to be completely empty of them. Jim rubbed his forehead. The only reason for this he could think of was if the spirits held their distance out of some sort of fear or respect. Something wrong? Andrew asked. 
Jim shook his head. No, nothing, just looking at the fields. Any idea where the best approach will be, Rhea? Where are the guys in there least likely to notice us? They usually seem to work all over the place when I showed up. A lot of them are gathered in the main house, where the meeting hall and the dining hall are, and the barracks are over there. She pointed to several low yellow buildings behind the barn. Do we know how many people are actually in there? Andrew asked. I mean, are we going to have to fight a horde of cultists? I've seen about fifty, all in all. Rhea looked a little nervous herself. They might not all be here at the same time, so there might be more. And yes, you might have a fight on your hands. No guns, though, Jim said. I doubt Inspector Charles will approve of us doing our own little reenactment of Waco in there. Try not to harm anyone unless you absolutely have to. Feline. That goes for claws as well. Feline's eyes glowed green, but she nodded her understanding. Okay. Everyone who's not an international thief or undercover agent, out. Jim said and got out of the car. Andrew and Feline got out after him, and Rhea took the wheel. Wait until you see the car pulling through the gate, Rhea said and looked at Jim through the window. That should keep them at least somewhat occupied when I pull up. Also, one last thing. What? If there comes a point where I have to choose between saving my mom or you guys, I'm going for my mom. You realize that, right? I wouldn't have expected it any other way. But if you can return to help us after getting her to safety, I'd appreciate it. Rhea grinned at him. You know, you're pretty great, Jim. I like a guy who's not afraid to look danger in the eyes. She started the engine. Of course, you do realize I could be lying about all of this, right? I could just have gotten you to get me the chalice with a minimum of fuss. I've got a pretty good sense of people. You don't strike me as the double-crossing type. See you on the other side. Rhea sent him a finger kiss and winked. The car began to move and turned back onto the road. Jim looked after it, and Andrew put an arm on his shoulder. You okay, Jim? You look... Well, if I didn't know better, I'd say you had a schoolboy crush on our new friend there. Jim shook his head briskly, as if to clear it. Crush? Oh, come on. She's at least 70 years younger than me. But she's also a gorgeous, independent girl who looks like a movie star and has superpowers. Old or not, you're just a man, Jim. You do know Mercedes has been making dating profiles in your name, right? He sighed. I told her to stop that. Blind dates, dating ads. I'm not interested in... In? Andrew said, smiling. In dating or in dating the one she set you up with. Speaking as an observer, I think Rhea likes you. Jim turned his head to look at Andrew. You really think... Oh, come on, guys, Feline said, sounding bored. The car's at the gate now. Can we go now? Or do we have to listen to more boring stuff about Jim's crush? Jim zipped up his jacket and made sure the sword sat securely in the sheath on his back. Yes, Feline, let's go. Mercedes looked out the window as Rhea steered the car through the metal gate and up the long driveway to the buildings in the middle of the grounds. 
In the field, she could see a couple of people wearing purple jumpsuits working to dig something out of the ground. They looked up at the car as it passed them, and it sent a chill down her spine. Mercedes had spent her childhood working at a Mexican restaurant before she had come with Jim to San Francisco, and she had seen a lot of empty faces in the kitchen of that restaurant. People her parents had hired as cheap labor as they passed through the town going north. People who smoked cigarettes standing over the sink with the dishes, dropping ashes into the water. People who carried boxes back and forth from the freezer with their eyes glazed over as they thought back to the girl or family they had left behind. She had seen all these people, but never had she seen a face as empty as the people tending the field. Are they... Are they brainwashed? She asked Rhea. What do I know? For all I know, they could be clones or even aliens. The world's a crazy place, but no matter what they are, they work for my client and will be meeting him shortly. I hope. Rhea pulled the car up in front of the main building and looked through the front window at more of the purple-dressed people now approaching them. Mercedes was reminded of the zombies standing outside the farmhouse in Night of the Living Dead. These people didn't move in a shambling zombie walk, but the sense of emptiness in their eyes was the same. You ready for this? Rhea asked. Mercedes smiled and smoothed her hair with a quick casual gesture. Ready as I'll ever be. Then let's do it. Rhea opened the door, leaving the keys in the ignition, and got out. One of the purple zombie people came closer, his eyes more alert than the others. Rhea greeted him, but did not reach out to shake his hand. Adam? Welcome back. Who is she? Adam asked. His voice didn't sound like a zombie at all. It was calm and relaxed. My assistant, Rhea said. She's here to haul the box. I had the teleport a lot, and it gave me a headache, so I didn't want to carry it myself. Get it out, Mercedes. Mercedes went to the trunk and opened it, picking up the large cardboard box resting there. Once it had contained the computer monitor for the Tempest reception area. Now it was filled with newspapers and the chalice of Valencia. She lifted it out, making a bit more of a show out of it being heavy than was strictly necessary, but making her seem weaker in the process. It was a trick Jim had taught her. If someone thinks you're weak they're more likely to turn their back on you. Here it is. Now I think your boss and I need a talk. Rhea looked Adam in the eyes and her voice got a harder edge to it. I think I'm just about done with waiting for what's mine. Mercedes bit the inside of her lip for a moment until Adam gestured towards the main door. The master himself has expressed the desire to see you. Step inside and bring the item. I will guide you to him. Rhea gestured to Mercedes to follow her, and they went up the small stairs to the front door. Inside, the old farmhouse was completely renovated, making it a lot more modern than it looked from the outside. The walls had been taken out wherever possible, making the center of the house into one big room. Folding chairs were set up like a movie theater, facing a small stage area with a large TV screen on the wall. Along the walls were small tables with laptops, and in one end of the room, a door led to what looked like a communal dining area. 
In the other was a glass door that opened to something Mercedes couldn't at first tell what it was. It seemed out of place in the farmhouse. A room with bright lights and metal tables. But when she saw one of the disciples walk past the door inside wearing a white smock, it clicked in her head. It was a laboratory. The master will speak to you here, Adam said and pointed to the stage and screen area. You may sit. Place the item on the floor in front of the chairs. Mercedes set the crate down where he indicated, noticing several other items lined up in front of the wall. A glass jar with two apples in it, a small silver chest, an odd-looking bottle with what appeared to be blood in it suspended in a circular silver container, and a plastic box containing what Mercedes immediately recognized as the petrified bread Inspector Charles had shown them pictures of. There were several other boxes, but she didn't have time to study them closer. She got to her feet and went to sit next to Rhea in the front row. Is your assistant going to overhear your conversation with the master? Adam asked. His voice had contempt in it that Mercedes didn't care for. Yes, I have no secrets from her. Besides, we should be on our way soon with my mother. I can't speak for the master's decisions. He will tell you when you can leave. Adam turned to the screen and intoned in a loud voice, Master, your thief is here with your last item. I summon you to this place of worship so that you can converse with her. Come to me, master. Mercedes felt cold all over. She had seen Jim summon spirits before, but she had never seen anything, only him speaking in the thin air. With Jim, there was always a feeling that the spirit he summoned was helpful and that he was helping back. This seemed more like a slave surrendering. And that impression was greatly enhanced when Adam suddenly seemed to stiffen in place. His muscles locked, and his face stiffened in a grimace that looked like he had swallowed something that tasted bad. Mercedes looked at Rhea, who looked back at her. This is how he always spoke to me before. Rhea whispered. Adam slowly relaxed his muscles and lifted his hands in front of him. He looked at them, seemed to chuckle, and turned around to face them. His face, even though it hadn't changed shape in any way, now gave the definite impression that it was no longer the same person behind it. His eyes looked at Rhea, and then at Mercedes, before opening his mouth. The voice coming from his mouth didn't sound like his at all. It was deeper, fuller, and the phrasing and dialect had changed. So you brought me the last piece of the puzzle, Rhea. I'm so glad. I'm less glad that you decided to bring Mercedes here along. You know me? Mercedes asked, her eyes going even wider. Of course I do. Better than you think. I've been in your office many times in the last years. I've watched you hundreds of times. I should have known that Jim couldn't keep his nose out of something like this. Bad planning. I don't care if you know them or not. Rhea's voice was sharp. I want my mom back. That's the deal. I brought you your magic cup and I want my mom back. Adam, or the spirit inside him, smiled and tilted his head. 
He held up a finger as if to imply she was a naughty child. Ah, but that was before you decided to bring in the super friends. Where are they? Outside, trying to sneak into the compound? Does it matter? Rhea's voice had lost some of the edge, but seemed to get more threatening as it did. Can't you just do your thing with the Holy Grail and become whatever it is you're going to become? I can, and will. But I need to teach you a lesson, little thief. No one disobeys me unpunished. Rhea laughed. And what exactly are you going to do? You're a spirit. And if you're going to let Adam at me, I can break every bone in his body before he lays a hand on me. Adam shook his head slowly. So arrogant. So ignorant. I would have thought you of all people, Rhea, would know that it's not the body that you should fear. It's the mind. Mercedes gave a scream as the chairs suddenly seemed to come to life around them. They flew into the air and began pummeling them with their metal legs. Rhea raised her hand as if protecting herself, and the chairs bounced off an invisible shield around her. Mercedes wasn't so lucky. A metal leg hit her over the head, making her see stars, and she fell to the floor. She kept her head down, pretending to be unconscious. Maybe, if she could keep Adam focused on Rhea, she had a chance of getting behind him. Adam's eyes glowed with a strange purple glow. He smiled as Rhea protected herself with her powers. Give it up, girl. You're no match for my mind. I've practiced my powers longer than you've lived. So, Rhea said through her clenched teeth, age doesn't make you better. True, but strength does. Adam waved his hand and Rhea was suddenly thrown across the room. She had a moment to try and straighten her flight path before she hit the wall, making a framed photo of the Golden Gate Bridge fall to the floor and break. She shook her head, trying to get back to her feet, watching Adam through glazed eyes. He was laughing. That was Mercedes screaming, Feline said. She was in the lead as they were sneaking through the bushes close to the main buildings. It had been easier than they had thought getting into the field, and the bushes along the edge of it were tall enough to conceal them as long as they walked bent over. The last few hundred yards to the houses had been more open, so they had decided to take a detour through a row of trees that ran all the way up to the back of the main building. Andrew and Jim looked at her. Screaming? Jim said. It was pretty brief, but I could hear a lot of noise in there. Like, a lot of people fighting. We should help her. All right, Andrew said. This just became a rescue mission. Still serious about the no guns thing? He pulled his jacket back to show his shoulder holster. Use it for scaring if you have to, but you're not a federal agent anymore. If you gun down some brainwashed kid, there'll be hell to pay. Jim reached behind his back, pulling the big sword into his hand. It felt good to hold it. Let's go, he said. Feline, lead the way to where you heard the scream. We go through that window there. Follow me. Feline ran out of the trees crossed the few feet of lawn in a run and headed straight for the main building. As she ran, she went through the change that never ceased to amaze Jim. Her body became slimmer, more feline, and her hair seemed to grow and merge into a furry back. 
She was only wearing a tank top and shorts. So when her legs changed shape to the hairy hind legs of a large cat, the muscle movements were clearly visible. She leaped into the air, but the creature that crashed into the window was no longer human, nor was it completely animal. It was a large, almost werewolf-like creature with its claws extended. Feline had practiced for a while at holding a shape that was in between her human and cat form, and this time, her concern for her friend had given her the last push she needed. She landed on all fours in a room that seemed to be in the middle of a tornado. Folding chairs were flying around the room in a strange circular dance, and Feline had to rely on her quick reflexes to avoid a few of them. At one end, she could see Rhea getting up from the floor, and in the other end, a man in a purple jumpsuit stood watching her and laughing out loud. He turned his face towards Feline, but didn't look exactly surprised. That was quick, he said. Jim employs efficient people. Jim, who was right behind her coming through the window, swung his legs over the windowsill. Andrew was close behind him. I heard my name, but I don't think we've been properly introduced. The man in the purple jumpsuit shook his head. On the contrary, Jim, you could say we know each other very well. His voice took on a different tone, and now he sounded like the cliché of a 1960s hippie. You might even say, man, we've been hanging out for years, but I'm not surprised you don't recognize a black man behind a white face. Jim's breath caught in his throat. Anderson? Anderson Kramer? In the flesh. Well... In another's flesh, actually. But soon I won't need to possess anyone. Soon I'll have my own body, and then, Jim, you won't be the only person in a city by the bay who can live forever. <laughs>